Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Zakari. Good morning. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday. My name is Frank Zakari, and you're listening to Life Altering Events on the VoiceAmerica.com network, but on the Empowerment Channel. Now, since we started this show in late July, people have come to me and said, Frank, what exactly is a life-altering event? And this is what I tell them. A life-altering event can be something we choose or something that is thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. Now, we've all had those aha moments in our life where things have changed for better or for worse. Now, these life-altering events occur in every aspect of our professional life and our personal life and in the lives of our family. Now, try as we may, it is impossible to completely separate the events from our personal life from the events in our professional life. Believe me, I tried it for years, and I failed miserably. What life-altering events does present us with is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our life. We can make a choice. It's a fork in the road, and the choice we can make is we can either fall apart or we can choose to find the courage to pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, start moving forward toward better times and better people. I tell everyone I talk to, remember this, it is never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. Now as you listen to this show over the next coming weeks and months and hopefully years, I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming show. If you have a life-altering event that could inspire others, visit the life-altering event page on voiceamerica.com. You click on email the host and tell me about this event that so so dramatically changed your life, how you addressed it, where you are now, and the impact it has had. Now we will review this content, and if it fits well into the program, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. Now, this show has just been renewed for another 52 weeks. So thank you for all the support that we're getting around the world. And now more than ever, I need to hear from you. Let me share your story with the world. Well, today what we're going to get into, our life-altering event, revolves around PTSD. And the name of this show is PTSD is Not a Dirty Word. Now, trauma and addiction are two things that go hand in hand more times than not. Rarely do you find one without the other. Now, one of the things that annoys me to no end is I've heard people say that people with addiction or with PTSD is a sign of weakness. I've heard people say people that have these conditions chose this, and now they can live with their consequences of their choice. Other statements I hear are people with issues of addiction or PTSD were probably just screw-ups anyway, and they lack the courage to improve. Now, while this may be true in very rare cases, it is not in the vast majority. And if you believe any of that, then you are misinformed. More times than not, PTSD and addiction are both a physical and a neurological illness or disorder. Now, what exactly is this PTSD? It's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's usually associated with people who served in the military. Now, until recently, very few people ever even heard of PTSD. Now, we may have a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a family member who served in World War II or Vietnam, and it wasn't quite the same when they returned. Friends and family would whisper, Oh, you know, he said, don't, don't bother him. He has battle fatigue or he's suffering from shell shock. But the situation was never considered a real neurological disorder. Now, fortunately, both the medical and the psychological fields now recognize PTSD as a very serious issue, which left untreated can lead to grave consequences. So what is this PTSD? 
Now, Dr. Annette Zakari, who specializes in treatment of people in medical crisis who have experienced a traumatic event or a disability, unfortunately can't be with us today because she's dealing with a veteran in crisis, but she did send us some things that we can share with you. And this is how she describes PTSD in a very clinical way. She says, the instances of individual exposure to catastrophic life events or personal involvement in stressful life circumstances that is beyond the normal human experience is an indisputable fact. It's not a myth. This is not a weakness. This is a fact. Now, throughout history, people have experienced wars and earthquakes and tornadoes and floods, all types of uh, devastating accidents, along with comparable critical life incidents which profoundly impact the life of the average person. So these are things that happen that impact the average individual. Interest and reaction to these traumatic events and the short and long-term emotional consequences of these events finally started to, to emerge as the, as the public became aware of the effects of war. Now, the Korean War, later the Vietnam War, the Desert Storm, and the ongoing wars that were continuing to plague the nation right now encouraged further public and professionals to, to present, to look into this problem, look into what's happening with these returning soldiers who appear to be emotionally or behaviorally compromised when they return. Now, let's think about it. These young men and women went into the military to serve the United States they went in whole and they went in healthy and they came back broken. There's a number of essential features within PTSD and there are certain symptoms following this exposure to this extreme stressors involving direct personal experience in an event that actually it involves actual or threatened death or serious injury. That's the first one. Second one is witnessing an event that involves death, injury, or the threat of physical injury to another. That's number two. The third one is learning about an unexpected violent death, serious harm, or threat of death or injury experienced by a family member or someone close. So it doesn't have to be you were in war, you were shooting people. It can be something you observed, something that you witnessed but you may not have been actually a participant with it. PTSD shows no favorites at all. The other thing Dr. Zakari has said is, one of the common attributes is a, there's a crushing sensation in your chest that you can label as anxiety or depression. There's a fear of losing control. You're always alert for danger or rejection there's a self-loathing that comes with this. There are nightmares and flashbacks and a fog that keeps one from staying on task and from engaging fully in what you're doing. Most people, many people in this world, are they're unable to fully open their heart to another human being. And this is a terrible way to live. Let me give you an example. This happened right here in Phoenix. I'm in our Phoenix studios today. In Phoenix, in the desert, the sights and sounds and smells are very similar to the Iraq, Afghanistan, and the desert area over in the Middle East. A young veteran was home on leave. He had some drinks with some friends. He's driving home. And as he's driving, a police car comes up behind them with the lights flashing to pull the car over. Now, someone who's in a war zone or someone who's suffering from PTSD, flashing lights is a danger sign. That is something as terrible as about to happen. The veteran, the young man in the car, is preparing himself to fight for his life. He is having a stressor. It's a flashback. He thinks he's back in the war zone. He's ready to go. He's ready to battle. Now, as the officer moves toward the car, the veteran jumps out of the car, attacks the officer. Now, fortunately, the officer didn't shoot the, the individual. He was able to tase him, which is unacceptable, but it's better than having him be shot. Now, PTSD is no longer considered a military-related issue. Trauma and addiction can happen to anyone at any time. It is not a stereotype of the people living under the bridge. Given the current state of civil unrest and division in our country, many PTSD sufferers are veterans, they're first responders, they're police, business people, ministers, professional athletes, the guy next door, and more recently, teachers, and students at every level. Now think about this. These are children 
who are terrified to go outside or even go to school. This is very serious stuff, people. Now, Dr. Zakari has given us a clinical explanation. In the studio here today with me is my guest, Dr. Vernette A. Joseph, who is retired U.S. Army. He has 20 years of highly decorated combat service, and he has suffered from and is successfully recovering from PTSD. And he's going to share some firsthand, real-world episodes. So, Dr. V., tell our listeners about your military background, your highly decorated career, and the challenges you faced with PTSD. Absolutely, Frank. Thank you so much uh, for breaking the clinical portion down so that people could truly understand that PTSD truly is not a dirty word. You know, when we think of that word PTSD, we automatically think of someone who has gone crazy. But if, as you're listening to me today, you wouldn't think that I am crazy. You wouldn't think that I've been able to do the things that I've done in my life. So let me share just a few things with you. Yes, as Frank said, I'm a war veteran, highly decorated. I've done 20 plus years in the military. I've served on three different uh, war conflicts. I've helped people from all walks of life and have been on 60 plus countries. But what does that mean to you today? As I sit here and talk to you, you would never know unless I opted to give the information that I, too, had suffered from PTSD. As a logistics officer, there are several things that you would go through in the military because everyone is dependent upon you from all walks of life and through all levels of rank. Imagine yourself being the logistic officer on a base who's taking care of all classes of supply. And that's subsistence all the way down to lumber to actually create buildings and huts and anything else that you may need to survive. Whether that's needing a pen or needing a part to a plane or something for a tank, I was the guy that they would go to. So being that person with all of that weight and responsibility was something that would already give you enough pressure being in a war zone with two to three hundred of your troops. But on top of that, being the target, if you would, on a base because they know that your section is what gives the base life. So while everybody else, Frank, was able to eat and sleep very quietly and, and everything would be okay, it was my job to not only keep us safe, to not only keep us fed, but to also keep us running and being able to protect and serve. Now, when you look at this job, I'm not complaining. It was a wonderful ride and wonderful run. But we received many decorations from many different organizations because of the task at hand. So when you start looking at Afghanistan as an example, when we were in Afghanistan in multiple locations, we were the ones who went in to build up the locations so that other troops can come. That's from putting buildings together, requisitions, getting all of those things together, to creating laundry facilities so that people would be able to wash their clothes. And actually the 21-day menu that people would eat in what we would call the mess hall or the chow hall, known as the cafeteria or staffeteria for people who haven't been in the military. This was our job fortifying the actual perimeter with uh, barbed wire, wood, so on and so forth, building the shacks for all of these things, that was our job. And we were the ones who supplied everything from A to Z. So when you begin to talk about PTSD, imagine yourself being with these two to 300 troops and daily bombs would be coming and dropping near your area. But mind you, you're the leader. You're the one that told every one of those soldiers that if they do what they, you told them to do, you would bring them home safely. And you're the same leader that those parents may have talked to, and you have to uphold your end of the bargain. Now, this may get a little graphic for some people, but I was also uh, in charge of what we would call mortuary affairs. Why? Because it fell underneath my purview. Mortuary affairs, for those who don't understand it, is kind of like the morgue. 
And in combat, it's a rolling morgue. If something goes down and bombs are coming down, well, guess who has to go out and police up the battlefield? It was my people. So PTSD, <laughs> Frank, what level do you want to talk on? Uh, again, I enjoyed my military career. I'm grateful and thankful to be retired. Uh, I've served again in 60 plus different countries. I've worked with some of the best generals in the world. And I am grateful and thankful that I grew up in the ranks from enlisted to chief warrant officer four. Uh, so for those who don't understand the military structure, you have enlisted, you have warrant officers, and then you have officers, uh, commissioned officers officers, but warrant officers have also become commissioned as well. But to become a warrant officer, you must have been enlisted first and also rose to the top of the ranks in your specific industry. So that's just a snippet right there. Hopefully I covered what you need. That is outstanding. Uh, we're almost up against a break here, so I don't want to start this next segment yet. So we're going to go to a short break. Don't go away. Dr. Joseph has so many stories left to tell. You do not want to miss this next segment. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we are back. We're having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Vernon Joseph who is retired Army Chief Warrant Officer 4. He was just going into some of the roles that he had in the military and the responsibilities that he had, which was logistics, which meant everything that happens in a war zone is his responsibility. Now, Dr. V, you've mentioned your people had the responsibility of, of, of keeping these, these soldiers alive. We just said, hey, if you do what we tell you to do, we're going to get you back home. Mm-hmm. That must be tremendous stress on you, but more importantly on your staff. Absolutely. So tell us about the triggers in PTSD and what that means. Whew. Well, there are several different triggers, to be honest with you, Frank. I know I'm not going to be able to cover them all, but let me give you just a little snippet of PTSD triggers. You know, 
as we sit here in Arizona, as you mentioned earlier on in the segment, Arizona is much like the desert in Afghanistan or Iraq uh, or in any other clandestine place. Uh, we have a lot of mountains. We, we have a lot of things that kind of replicate, if you would, the war zone. So it could be something as simple as a scent, a smell. Uh, again, this may get a little graphic for folk, but depending upon when you came in the military, we would literally burn everything. Uh, we would burn waste. We would burn just about everything. So imagine yourself being at a burn pit. Uh, and reminding yourself of that smell, that God-awful smell of something burning, but finding yourself back in civilian life, but smelling that smell. It's like sound. It's like music. It is so soothing, but it can also immediately take you back to a place in time where you may not want to return to. That's just smell. Now, you mentioned earlier about police sirens or loud noises or whatever the case may be. Let me share this with the listening audience. As we think about it, when you are downrange or deployed on a deployment, you literally carry around 210 rounds uh, with you along with a loaded weapon. You have flak vests, you have all this different equipment on, so you're used to being, if you would, overburdened with weight and heat. So when you find yourself in a situation where you're sweating profusely, uh, that may trigger it. When you find yourself carrying too much weight, it may remind you of the flak vest. And for many of us who had returned from downrange, the very first thing we go through is weapon withdrawal. Imagine sleeping with your weapon, showering with your weapon, using the bathroom with your weapon. So it has become a part of you. And now you come back to regular life and there's no weapon. Every now and then your mind is going to make you look for what it's used to having with it at all times. Loud noises, crowds, different things like that. Most veterans cannot watch what people like to watch in terms of war movies. Why? Because it puts us right back in place of where we left and we're trying to leave that door or that chapter of our life closed. And that's where you'll find, Frank, where most veterans will only speak to other veterans because they understand. It is extremely hard for you to try to converse with someone who has absolutely no idea what you're experiencing. It's like me starting to speak German to someone who doesn't understand. German or any other language. So when we look at the triggers, it could be taste, it could be smell, it could be sound, it could be uh, loud noises, it could be crowds, it could simply be emotion. There are times when you're downrange where the sun sets on a mountain, and that may be the trigger. You reminded yourself of what it was like sitting on guard duty and having all these lives behind you in your hand because now you're on watch. And if you fall asleep, if you do the wrong thing, all of these people's lives are in your hand. So when you see a military veteran who is extremely tense, it's because the weight of responsibility that they have had to experience for an extended period of time. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Uh, very much, very much so. Now I work with the uh, Veterans Treatment Court mm -hmm. and in that capacity I've dealt with advanced area Marines. Yes. Okay, now one of the Marines, it's very severe PTSD, and he said to me, what he was told is you have a 20-minute window. Mm -hmm. So if there's a trigger, within 20 minutes, use your coping skills, and hopefully you can calm yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay? Have you heard that before? I've heard it before, Frank, and this is what I'll say to everyone out there. There truly is no cookie-cutter mode for coping mechanisms with PTSD. 
For someone, it could be some type of soothing object. It could be a scent like a eucalyptus or a, a spearmint or, or something of that nature. It could simply be something that they squeeze that causes them to calm. Most people will tell you, yes, you've got about a 20-minute window to cope before your mind goes into euphoria, if you would. Uh, I've heard it. Uh, I've experienced it, but I've also experienced other things to where simply taking time to meditate and get your mind off of what you found yourself into finding something. And, and we were talking earlier, whereas I believe in my heart that PTSD are triggers of times past, issues had, and things that you have not personally confronted. If I can give the example, as an event, I call them significant emotional events. They're C's. If you have a C in your life that you saw a child blown up or you saw a child molested or hurt or whatever the case may be, that's a negative connotation. That's negative imagery that will be put inside your psyche. The only way to remove that is by running to it, not from it. And they teach you to run away from it. But what you should do is find ways to how you can help children so that you can overload your sensory and your brain mechanisms to have positive thoughts instead of those negative thoughts. Nightmares happen when we quote unquote, watch a bad movie right before going to sleep because the last thing that we imprinted or implanted on the brain was a horrifying scene. But what if you would see something joyful and something positive before you go to bed? Would you have a nightmare then? Maybe not. So replacing the negative space and energy with positivity and productivity causes the brain to what I call re-engineer itself. That's just one of the coping mechanisms that I have learned in my life. Now, you said something very interesting, as I have spent time at the VA, as mm -hmm. you have. Yes, sir. And the, the comment usually said was, this is your trigger event, mm -hmm. avoid it. Yep. Now, I'm intrigued by what you said, by go toward it, yes, but sir. find something positive. Mm -hmm. That was impressive. Now, as you were coming back out of the service, what was the impact on your family or some of the people <laughs> that you had that reported to you that are now coming back from a war zone? That's a very difficult transition. Reintegration is the word that I will use that the military can do a better job at, if you would. Because coming back the 24 to 36 hours that it takes to get back from uh, one of those locations, the debriefing, getting rid of all your equipment and everything, there is a reintegration process that should be taking place. Number one, you've been gone 12 months to 18 months from your spouse, your children. You are not the one in charge. That is hard because for 365 days or plus more, you have been in charge of your everything, your, your eating, your sleeping, and everything about you. So reintegrating properly is what's important. You have to release to increase. You released when you left. Now upon your return, you have to gradually get back into the swing of things. But it's hard to do because you miss your spouse, you miss your children. Some people have had children while they've been gone. How do you reintegrate back into that? I believe that there should be a process from deployment that starts 30 to 60 days out that will help people to communicate with their spouses, communicate with their children so that you don't have such a disconnect. The PTSD is going to come about, but you're not going to want to talk about that with your spouse. You're not going to want to say that to your children. You're going to have night sweats. You're going to be waking up wondering what's going on, where you are because you have trained your brain for so long to be in an austere location. So how do you get domesticated just like that? You can't.
And that's why initially they say something's happened to you. You've changed. No, I didn't change. I adapted to the, the, the system, the strategy, the structure, the circumstance that I, fa I was faced with for over a year. You've got to give me time to get back to the person that left you and said, honey, I'll be back. Right. So when dealing with PTSD upon reintegration, I believe that there's systematic steps that you can take to reintegrate back into your home life, if you would. Because if you don't, you're literally trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And when you do that, you're going to have what we call friction. And friction can amplify your PTSD. Friction can cause you to say, I'm about to explode. I made it past 365 days, guns, bullets, bombs, everything. But I just came home and I cannot hack that crying voice. I cannot hack that nagging about X, Y, and Z. And now you think I'm crazy, but in actuality, you haven't given me time to reintegrate. Now, reintegration is a very interesting word. I've heard the military call it other things. Yes. One of the other issues that I believe is not done well mm -hmm. in is employment. Oh, yes. Now, I've seen, and the same Marine told me, you know, Frank, I was whatever his rank was. Mm -hmm. I commanded people. I put people in harm's way. I got them home. I have all this training, all this skill, these logistics, and all these talents that I have. And I was a warrior on October 10th. I get out of the military October 11th. I'm unemployed. Mm -hmm. I'm nothing. I have no status. I have no self-esteem. And chances are I won't get hired because veterans don't tend to stay at their first job mm -hmm. for a long period of time. What do you tell those guys? Well, number one, what we have to do, America as a whole, is we need to have some type of system that will allow the skills, the knowledge, the training, and the ability to translate into the civilian sector. I can personally tell you that I left the military highly qualified, but the very first thing that you would experience is he will not stay in this job. He has too many qualifications. He has more qualifications than the boss. How can we possibly get this person on board and keep them? Well, you have to give people an opportunity. I believe that if you treat people well, it is very much possible that they will stay. If you take care of someone, which is the, the, the mantra of business, right? Is Think about it. Small business is the backbone of America. Why? because we work hard and we are expected to do that which we say we can do, whether it's through a business service or product. So when you come out of the military, the difference is the vernacular. The difference is the acronyms. You have all of this training, but it's in a total different language. And most people don't know how to translate that. And here's the sad part, to be honest with you, Frank. A lot of people have to not put all of their qualifications on paper because they will be stamped overqualified. Now, how do you take someone who took 20 years of their life to build to a certain status and then you cut them off at the knees when they return by telling them they have too much education, they're overqualified. And it doesn't have to be degrees. It could simply be an expertise and experience. This is something that we must do better at and have some type of, uh, 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 if you would, system that we train how the word and verbiage comes back to civilian life because before they became military, they were civilian. So we should respect them as such and find ways to see how does this job marry and match this job in the civilian sector. And here's the kicker. The sad part is, Frank, we have done the jobs that civilians are doing for so much less. And all we want is a piece of the pie when we come home. So how does that trigger PTSD? It makes you feel lower than low. 
that you have achieved the status and you, people were reporting to you and now you come out and they tell you, oh, that's a different system. That means nothing. That is a problem and we must change that. That absolutely is the case. Any veteran who's come back has heard that at least once. Mm -hmm. Now we're up against another break. This second segment was just tremendous. When we come back, Dr. V is going to talk about what he has done to overcome this and how he is helping veterans and other underserved communities. Stay with us. You do not want to miss this next segment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Sakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Life Altering Events. I'm Frank Sakari, and my guest today is Dr. Vernette Joseph. And this, if, if you missed these first two segments, make sure you listen to it on demand. This has been an intriguing conversation. The topic is PTSD is not a dirty word. Now, Dr. Joseph has gone through and explained what it was like in the military, what PTSD is for real on the real world side, and ways of coping. Now, Dr. Joseph has done such tremendous things. We wanted him to share what he has done to get, get over this PTSD. Plus, he has been committed to make sure that he's not only helping veterans, he's now a very successful business person. He's a very highly sought after business strategist. He's been recognized, his recognitions include being the top 40 productivity experts to follow on Twitter. That's pretty amazing. He's been the executive professional of the year. He's a hero of Women's Entrepreneurs of America and was recently named Black Wall Street Phoenix, Arizona Entrepreneur of the Year. Now, these are not exactly a picture of someone that you think of having been suffering from PTSD. Dr. V, how did you do this, and what are you doing now? First and foremost, Frank, I'd like to say thank you. I don't know who that guy is you're reading about, uh, but I've been blessed, uh, and I must say it that way because without my faith, I don't think it could happen. You know, I, I've taken many people to the battlefield and brought a lot of them back. And not all of them have had the opportunity to to stay in their right mind. 
And I would attribute, you know, a lot of my, if you would call it success or being able to uh, help other people uh, to my faith, uh, being rooted, being grounded in my faith and focusing on what really matters. And that's life, helping other people live, helping other people leave a legacy, influence and focus and execute. That has been my life's work and my life's mission. I don't major in the minors. Whereas most people, they want to live in the minors. They want to live in, you know, what someone else is saying or what someone else thinks of them. I stay on a path of moving forward. How do I help mankind? How do I help my family and my community? And because the focus is not on me, I believe wholeheartedly that that's what enables me to do so much. When we look in the mirror and all we think about is ourselves, that's a selfish place to be. I always try to look in, with, and then through me to see what can be done for others. There are two major words in my life that I, I think people know who know me, who have ever heard me speak, and that's truth and transparency. If there were another set of words, it would be service and produce. So with those four words, serving and producing truth and transparency, those four words sum up my life. When you read about the 23 or 25 books that I've written, it wasn't for me. It was for the issues that I was dealing with at the time that I felt that could help other people. When you talk about the multiple countries that I've spoken in, it wasn't for me. It was just me being used to be a vessel that would help those people to be successful. When you look at becoming a world civility ambassador, that wasn't me. It was God shining his light on me to be able to do what he showed me even when I was in the military. And that is helping people free their minds and free their lives and live their best and most productive life. You know, I get the opportunity, Frank, to go around the world speaking on productivity and passion and potential, leadership and diversity and all of these different things. Not because of me. I'm nobody. I just happen to have the, 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 the accolades, if you would, that people like and think are something. But if I ever get the opportunity, I'll never point them to me because it's not about me. It's about helping them see them, the person on the inside, the fruit that they can bear and how they can bring change to this world. So when I look at who I am today and what we've done and where we're going, it's endless. The opportunities are endless because as long as there is breath in my lungs, I will find a way to lift someone else up. And the more that we lift other people up, the better off we will be in this life. So the race for me is to be as effective, as efficient, as productive as I possibly can. Whether that's being on radio shows like yours or running my own, writing books that will help people, uh, whether that's, you know, television shows or it doesn't matter to me. What matters most is that I leave something behind that will outlast me. And that's what I hope people are getting even from the show today, that PTS is, PTSD is not a dirty word. You can live with PTSD and still be successful. Never allow a word or a circumstance to define you. You define you. The heart, the root of your heart is what matters. So when we look at PTSD, here's what I would share with everybody. Excavate the situation or the circumstance that is trying to plague you. Find ways for you to replace the negative with the positive. Ask yourself, do you want to exist or do you want to live? Because there is a difference. And then say to yourself, I want more. I can, I will, and then it's done. If you focus on those things, I truly believe that if we sweat in preparation, we won't have to in the battle. So it's about doing what we're called to do, using our time, our talents, our efforts, our gifts to help others maximize their life. Because there's somebody out there, Frank, 
that has the answer to the problem that is plaguing this world. I love that statement. One of the things that I, I, I see with, with veterans and now, now first responders, mm -hmm. one of the things I may have mentioned in the beginning, the number one cause of death in firefighters mm -hmm. is suicide. Yes, yes. Which is a PTSD-like prolonged over Absolutely. time. Now, you've Tell, tell the listeners about Live to Produce because this is something where you bring people in and you, and you give them the guidance yes. and the, and the, uh, the mentoring mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to move forward. Let, let, me, let me say this real quick before I hit Live to Produce because you hit something that's so important. PTSD is no longer a military term. PTSD is something that is plaguing our entire world. Our kids have it now because of shootings, mass shootings and things of that nature. Teachers are dealing with it. We have firefighters and all first responders who are dealing with PTSD. Love someone who has PTSD. Why? Because they've been through a traumatic incident in their life that is causing them to act the way that they act or feel the way that they feel. I believe wholeheartedly if we take our time to help people become their best self, life would be so much sweeter. And that's exactly what Live to Produce does. Live to Produce has four major tenets, and that's the word life. That's legacy, influence, focus, and execution. If you live life, you'll enjoy life. If you merely exist, you will miss life. So our job at Live to Produce is literally to come in. I don't care if it's a chamber of commerce, small business, big business organization, country, or, or government. We've done it all. We've helped people at all levels to maximize their potential. How do we do that? We come in, we do an evaluation and an assessment. We come in and we ask you what's going on, peak performance-wise. We come in and we deal with your organization from the ground up, looking at it from the lens of the mission and the vision first. When you do that, you can right size a organization because you're looking from the lens or what we would call in the military that 30,000 foot level. Uh, we do that and there's multiple things, so many different uh, uh, facets of Live to Produce. One of them would literally be Productive Business, Productive Business Network and then the Productive Business Summit. Every year I do a summit right here in Arizona where I bring people from all over the world and the states to come to learn how to do business together and how to collaborate and how to take over in their industry. So whether you're a business owner or you're a chancellor or you're a, a, um, you know, a, a governor or whatever the case may be, we work with everyone in between. Why? Because we believe that if we can get you to be productive in your area, there's something that you are going to change in your world, in your country, in your, on your island or in your state that is going to affect the people that you're supposed to infect. I believe, Frank, that everybody has a voice. And when you use your voice for good, there's a tribe that's waiting to hear that voice and waiting to connect to the initiative that you have. So we've been blessed here in Arizona. Live to Produce is doing pretty good. It's a veteran-owned organization, and we definitely champion our veterans. Uh, so we love to do that. I mean, there are so many different facets. We have magazines. We've got radio shows. Anything that we can do to help people become better people and maximize their life we do everything short of lying, stealing, and doing anything wrong, illegal, uh, to help them. This is very impressive. Um, now, you've inspired over the course of your life in the military and out of the military and everything you've done professionally. Who inspires you? <laughs> I have many, many uh, different people who inspire me at different levels. I will tell you, my mother, who has passed away from sickle cell anemia, has been one of my champions in life. Watching my father uh, to become who he's become in his life and how he's come from nothing. Uh, many people, so many people, Frank, that I cannot name. I tell you that there's an everyday hero in our midst. And the question is, do we see them? 
See, most people are looking for the famous name. But I want to know who's the person that you watch that helped you build your character? Who's the person that you watch that helped you build integrity? Who's the person that you watch that would cause you to become a selfless servant? That, to me, means more than any accolade, any amount of money. So there are truly too many to count from teachers in school and people in college, just people, everyday heroes who are making a difference. Now, do I have a list of those who people would know? Absolutely. But I believe that we should focus on the everyday hero that literally may be living next door to you that has taught you something. Because when we show people that everybody's a leader, I think everyone will stand up and become one. One of the things that I have heard growing up was anyone, anything, be, be aware of what you're doing in your actions and what you're saying because a kind word or an action that you do today could be the difference mm -hmm. in somebody else's life. And that might be the thing that keeps them going. Absolutely. I love that, uh, how you put, put all this together. We are just about out of time here. This, this has been just a tremendous show. Dr. Joseph has shown us what, uh, what PTSD is like what it is to deal with it, the responsibilities and the burdens that people have, that it is no longer just for the military, it is not something that just impacts the military, that it affects all of us can be infected, uh, impacted by this, and that we can survive. He has made tremendous success, and he's a shining example of what can occur when you do not let your circumstances dictate your life. Absolutely. So, Dr. V, thank you so much. We're going to have to move on and end here. So we're almost out of time. Thank you so much for sharing this, this incredible life-altering life event story. Now, to the listeners out there, what I say to you every week, no matter what life throws your way, do three things. Look up, get up, and never, ever give up. If you pick up the pieces and start moving forward, Today, it doesn't matter what the circumstances were. Pick up the pieces today. Better times and better people will come into your life. Now, if you'd like more information about my guests, please contact me at lifealteringeventsvoiceamerica.com. Press email the host, and I will make sure this information gets to Dr. Joseph. I want to hear what your stories are out there. If you've missed any of this segment, any of this show, please go on demand and listen to it. We can, it's available on iTunes and a number of other places. iHeartRadio just picked up the show, and you can listen to it on demand. Let me leave you with this. As you've heard from Dr. Joseph the last hour, none of us are in this alone. The key to walking on water is to know where the rocks are, and people like Dr. Joseph knows where the rocks are. Thank you. We'll see you next week with another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cup.